Before we begin today's show, the World Series is finally here. Well, actually, at the time of this recording, we don't know the matchup. I'm not going to do that thing where I record them both and pretend like I didn't make them several days in advance and you think that I actually made it just before you heard it. No, we actually don't know. But by the time you listen to this podcast, we will know who is in it. We know the Tampa Bay Rays are going up against the Dodgers or the Braves, and I guarantee that Buster Olney will cover the fall classic like nobody else in the business can. He'll do so on the Baseball Tonight podcast, which offers new episodes every single day. That's Baseball Tonight, and you can download it and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts or where you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, subscribe, rate, and review to the Hoop Collective. Well, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Sunday afternoon, recording this. Sunday morning for the gentleman joining us from Seattle is Kevin the Machine Pelton. Hello, Kevin Pelton. How are you? I'm doing well. It definitely is the morning. Still, still pretty early in it. Um, Huskies aren't even playing. I don't even know what you're all doing on Saturday anyway. Not much, admittedly. Right. Uh, joining us from Boston, where he's returned home from Orlando, is Tim Mc, Tim McMahon. Is Tim Bontemps. <laughs> I'm used to, to McMahon. It's the greatest insult anyone's ever given me. <laughs> is Tim Bontemps. So here's what we're going to do today. Bontemps is very good. I can't believe I'm giving him credit. Bontemps is very good with coming up with trade scenarios. He's hit on a few of these over the years, and they're very thought-provoking. So we're going to talk about four players who we think there's a chance of being traded. And we're going to talk about what possible trades could happen. This is the type of thing that gets discussed in front offices. Kevin Pelton used to be a part of a front office. Isn't that correct, Kevin Pelton, these types of discussions? I ran a lot of trade scenarios, very few of which ever came to fruition. Right, but it's part of um, what teams are doing this this uh, this time of year. I just I was just talking to an executive uh, Friday. He had, his His team, he had spent the entire week in meetings this week going over scenarios for their team, but also for other teams and what could uh, fall out of that. So that's what we're going to do here. Now, this is a disclaimer. These scenarios have been discussed with people in the league. In other words, we went to executives and agents and talked to them about them, but they are not actual conversations. We are not doing any reporting here, okay? We are not reporting about where Chris Paul might get traded. We are talking about the way teams might talk about Chris Paul getting traded. Okay, do we have that understood, everybody out there? Okay, fine. Now, let's start with Chris Paul, Tim Bontemps. Um, I think it's relatively obvious why Chris Paul is is a candidate to be traded. The Thunder are looking to transition as they um, own the draft futures of the Houston Rockets, LA Clippers, and also to a certain extent, the Miami Heat plus theirs. Um, They, Chris Paul has just come off a spectacular year where he made all NBA. He has two years and 85 million left due to him. Uh, They are downshifting into a rebuilding mode. The coach that they hire very likely will be a developmental specialist head coach to develop their young pieces, which they're going to look more of. So Chris Paul, I suspect, will be on the market with the Thunder looking to get off of that $85 million. So having said that, 
what do you think about Chris Paul's chances and what, what teams could be interested in making a deal for him? So when you look at the Chris Paul scenario, right, and trying to figure out how he's going to get traded, the biggest impediment to him getting moved, obviously, is the two years and $85 million he has left on his contract. Actually, it's 88. Is it 88? 85 million or 88 million? Pretty sure it's pretty sure it's 85. 85. He's got it's 41 million this year, and then he's got a 44 million player option. It might be 85 and change. But, okay, that option is um, getting picked up. He is set right. So that's going to basically wipe out any team that wants to be in the mix in free agency in 2021. Because obviously, if you have a $44 million contract on your books, you're not going to be able to go sign Giannis or some of these other guys. So that takes out teams like the Miami Heat, takes out teams like the Dallas Mavericks, you know, et cetera. You go down the line. Anybody that wants to have flexibility next well, summer. Not just for Giannis, but for all those free agents. Sure. But just, just as an example. So so all the teams next summer that want to play in free agency, they're not trading for Chris Paul, almost certainly. So what you are looking for are teams that – are already have a bunch of contracts on their books or aren't worried about cash space next summer for other reasons. So, and probably the, want to be competitive, want to be very competitive in next season or improve, find a way to improve because that's, that's what right. Chris Paul is at this point. That's right. So there, there's several different teams that he could wind up with. Um, the most obvious one, at least from the start is the Milwaukee Bucks, a team who want to keep Giannis on their team. Uh, going forward and need to upgrade after flaming out in the playoffs against the Miami Heat in the second round. So because Chris has this giant contract and he's not going to be easily moved, uh, Oklahoma City is not going to be looking to get a King's Ransom back. Um, you guys talked about this on the pod on Thursday with Bobby and, and McMahon. You know, if they could get any kind of positive asset at all and get off of that money, I think the Thunder will do it in a second. There's a good chance I think they would do it if they could just get off the money at all um, and just not have to give up any kind of negative asset. So, like, for example, if you get straight to the box, you could do it for three expiring contracts, Ursan Ilyasova, Robin Lopez, and DJ Wilson, and then Eric Bledsoe, which gives the Thunder a potential guy that could flip down the road and also gets the deal to be workable salary-wise. The Bucks then get back Chris Paul. He improves yeah. the team. He's obviously real quick. That's one of the big things with trading for Chris Paul, uh, Pelton. How much salary would you have to send to the Thunder? You have to send over thirty million 30, to the thirty-three Thunder. million. Thirty-three million. So when you hatch your trade ideas for Chris Paul, you're what you're sending the Thunder's got to add up to thirty-three million. And what Tim is saying there is that ideally, there's a lot of expiring money in there, so that the so that the um, that the Thunder are saving money in the deal. Yeah, that's a that's a factor. Don't trade them a guy who's got four years left on his contract. The reason that they would want to trade Chris Paul is to get off of the money, particularly that forty four million due in two years. Okay, go ahead, Tim. So that that's kind of the simplest one, right? Just that those contracts basically get right to just over that thirty three million dollar threshold. KP mentioned you give them a bunch of expirings, you give them a point guard they can flip later. Box get Chris Paul. And just to point out, a year ago, the concept that the Thunder would be able to trade Chris Paul and not have to add a first-round pick as a sweetener was considered laughable, especially since they had all of those extra picks from the, the Westbrook and Paul George trades. The idea was, well, to get out of that contract, they're going to have to incentivize, just like the Rockets, to a degree, incentivize them to take him. Chris Paul was so good this last year that not only is the concept that they will not have to incentivize, but there's actually a possibility 
that a team or two may want Chris Paul and therefore create a market. And, and if they even get a second round pick, much less a player like Eric Bledsoe who has value, uh, it would have been way ahead of where they thought they would be at probably a year ago. That's right. So, um, and, and look, that's also why the Thunder, you know, are certainly going to be aggressive in trying to trade Chris now. He just had this great season. Sell it would high. Be, it would be good, for, it'd be good for them to sell high. It'd be good for them to go to the bottom of the standings in a year when everybody in the West is at least trying to be competitive, even if everyone won't be. Um, not, not, I'm just going to run through these other ones quick, and then we can talk about them. So there's now two other camps of teams that potentially trade for him. There's other teams that are really good, the Sixers and the Clippers. And then there are teams that are bad that have cap space that could potentially want to take a step forward. In my mind, the obvious ones there are the Knicks and the Pistons. Um, Troy Weaver just hired in Detroit was with Chris in Oklahoma city. The Knicks have Tom Thibodeau. They have Chris's former agent, Leon Rose. So the Knicks trade, um, would basically just be Chris for say Dennis Smith and maybe, um, one of the Dallas picks they have in the future, which aren't super valuable. So here's, first the, round thing, picks. here's the thing on the Knicks. The Knicks have, in, if they want, they'd have to renounce their free agents. But if they want, they have up to $42 million in salary cap space, I believe. Um, Somewhere in the ballpark. But basically they could trade basically they could take Chris for next to nothing. The point give... is they don't have to send the 33 million because of That's that right. cap space. They could they could probably take him straight out literally for nothing. Uh or if you want to send a player, you don't in that particular case, you don't have to match the salaries. That's right. And Detroit, you could do a trade centered around Tony Snell that would be a similar deal where again maybe Detroit they has some, a lot of cap space. A lot of cap space. Yeah. Right. So then, so the, in those two deals, the the Thunder get off a ton of money and maybe get something back. And those teams that are maybe looking to take a step forward, Detroit's been talked about, like you guys mentioned on Thursday, trying to get Fred Van Fleet, the Knicks with Tibbs and Leon Rose, you know, that's an obvious fit with Chris there. And then the more interesting ones probably for listeners are the trades with the Sixers and Clippers. So uh, because both those teams, the Clippers and the Sixers don't have cap space, and because of their contractual situations, you have to get a little creative to make these deals happen. So, yeah, the Clippers, the deals I came especially up with, the Clippers, I'm, I'm waiting to hear your Clippers idea here. Yeah. So they're both a little complicated, but I'll just run through them quick. Uh, so in the Sixer deal, the Sixers would get Chris Paul. The Thunder would get Buddy Heald from Sacramento, along with Zaire Smith and Mike Scott from Philly. And then the Kings would get Al Horford and the Thunder's first round pick in this year's draft which comes from Philly, uh, which they got from a prior trade. Uh, the Clipper trade, Clippers get Chris Paul back. Um, the Thunder wind but, up with Nick Batum oh, I, from I Charlotte. Like, well, I, I feel like this is there's too much information flying out. I understand I that, like but you, you set me up this way, so I'm going to just finish. This is the last yeah. thing, and then we, can have, then we can talk about it. Clippers get Chris Paul. The Thunder get Nick Batum from Charlotte, and then Rodney, Rodney Magruder from the Clippers. Then the Hornets get Matres Harrell. And a sign and trade, three years, forty-five million, and then Lou Williams and Pat Beverly. Okay, there's there's the All trades. Right. All right, let's go one at a time, and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you, Pelton, about what you think about this. The Knicks could make this very cleanly. Uh, the Knicks, by getting Chris Paul, uh, in addition to the young players, and they're going to have a top ten pick uh, this year. Um, they could sell this as being a way to work with their young guys and also rapidly improve. I don't know whether they'd be a playoff team. Pelton, how do you like this if, if the Knicks were to trade for Chris Paul? 
I don't hate it. I I think you know the the success that you mentioned that he had last year in Oklahoma City with their young players. It does make it more logical, especially because I, I mean, it depends first off what the Knicks end up doing in this year's draft. I, I think this is a move that if you're the Knicks, you're not making it until after November 18th. We'll see whether, you know, how much time before that teams even have the ability to trade. But because if you end up taking, you know, if you're able to trade up and take Lamelo Ball or take one of the other point guards in this year's draft, I, I don't know if you want to block them entirely with Chris Paul, even though, you know, he's not going to play 40 minutes a game at this stage of his career. But I do think, especially if you don't end up with one of those guys, you know, we didn't get to see R.J. Barrett's development last year because of the fact that he was asked to do so much of his own creation. And, you know, he's not quite ready for that. He could use somebody to set him up, uh, somebody who also provides floor spacing when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And Chris Paul fits that bill. And the Knicks probably shouldn't be thinking about 2021 free agency. They need to walk. Well, before that's they the thing. Walk. Like, Tim, like, I mean, uh, the Knicks have struck out in free agency so much. Would be would giving up their 2021 free agency be that detrimental? Like, would that, you know? No, I don't think so. I think KP said it perfectly. The, the Knicks need to walk before they run. And they need to start building a culture. And you hire if you hire Tibbs, and you trade for Chris Paul, I understand KP's point that if you draft a point guard, you don't necessarily want to block him long-term. But if you if you have Chris Paul as your point guard and Tibbs as your coach, you're going to have a culture. And the Knicks desperately are in need of building a culture. And so I, I think, especially because of the, the price point here, because you can get them for next to nothing. Um, Plus, I'm sure Chris I, Paul would like to play in New York. Uh, yes. I mean, not that he's going to get Carmelo Anthony will be playing with him in New York. No. <laughs> uh, another formerly Alvaro's client. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, look, I, I think it makes Bring sense. All the 35-year-olds. I, I think it makes sense for what the Knicks are trying to do uh, and trying to build something. I, 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 I think it makes a lot more sense than it would for a lot of rebuilding well, teams and, to trade for. Okay, but then that's not really a rebuild. I mean, it is, but you're, you know, the, the other side would be for the Knicks to tank to get a high pick. Well, the other part of this is that I think if the Knicks trade for Chris Paul, they're going to be better, but I still don't think they're making the playoffs. And with the new lottery system, you still got just as good of a well, chance I to jump up and then you're, draft you're anyway. back in the middle. Congratulations. You're back in the middle. I, I, I'm, I'm lukewarm on that, but I can understand why Leon Rose would be interested in it. And because uh, they would definitely get better. Um, and also it wouldn't cost you much. Like you said, uh, they may be able to do it for nothing. Um, you know, literally, if, but if they if they have to include a guy like Dennis Smith, okay. All right, Detroit is interesting. You know, Tom Gores really likes making the playoffs. Uh, the owner, he's he has not expressed uh, an issue with being the eighth seed. Uh, Blake Griffin is coming off of a um, of a bad uh, of a bad injury, um, another one. But you know, you do have Blake Griffin. Um, if they if they whiff out on on Van Vliet because he stays in Toronto or goes someplace else, uh, they also have Derrick Rose, um, who they could flip elsewhere. Uh, if they if they get, you know there's a, there's there's an interest in Derrick Rose, um, Pelton, your thoughts on the Pistons if they make that uh, uh, that, that aggressive move? Yeah, I don't think it makes any sense for them. I mean, the Clippers' entire run that even though it hasn't didn't yield the results this year that we thought it might. It started because of the fact that they traded Chris Paul and Blake Griffin several years ago. So I don't know that trying to recreate that duo now is a recipe for success. Yeah, it, it, it'd be Lob City, but it'd kind of be a, it wouldn't be as bouncy. All right. Um, now, the, the more interesting ones, Philly 
Now, this would sort of be two kinds of trades. Uh, Bontemps has previously talked about the idea of swapping Al Horford for Buddy Heald, uh, two guys on big contracts who are a little blocked positionally, and neither team is maybe thrilled about those commitments. Um, and then basically what this would be doing would be adding Oklahoma City into it. Bontemps described a couple of other pieces would have to be involved to make it to grease the skids and make all the trade rules work. But in this particular case, you get um, Buddy Heald going to, to Oklahoma City where he is a big name, uh, having played at Oklahoma, a shooter who fits in with their other perimeter players. Uh, Al Horford goes to, to Sacramento where they balance. I assume in this scenario you think they re-sign Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Bontemps? Yes. Okay. And then Chris Paul goes and you have the Sixers balancing out their roster with the, with the great ball handler, Pelton. The big question here would be what it does to the Sixers tax situation. This deal adds a little bit less than $6 million in 2020-21 salary for them. And then you're subtracting two players from the roster because you're adding Mike Scott and Zaire Smith is, you know, kind of salary ballast in this trade. So, you know, now even if you fill those spots with minimum players, you're adding even more to the tax bill. You're talking about, you know, probably 20 plus million, maybe 30 million in actual cost of this trade uh, during a year where, you know, you're going to be limited in terms of your attendance if you have anyone. And then I guess the other question is what happens to Ben Simmons if you have somebody who is, you know, as exclusive a ball handler as Chris Paul is, you know, it was one thing to, okay, Ben Simmons is going to play power forward when Shake Milton is the point guard. He's not a ball dominant guy. Simmons was still going to have the ball in his hands a lot. It's very different if you put him with Chris Paul. I can just picture Chris Paul ordering Simmons oh. and, and Embiid around out there. I actually think it would probably be pretty good, but I'm not saying that they would love it. Uh, but, um, you know, you're very close to the Sixers, Bontemsa. I can understand why the idea is out there, even if it's not going to – wouldn't make everybody happy. Yeah, I mean, look, it's an interesting idea, right? Chris, again, it's a win-now move for a team that's been making a lot of win-now moves for a while. It would open up the possibility, or at least it would open up speculation about Ben Simmons getting traded elsewhere um, to kind of, you know, have more of a wing player on the team instead. Um, but look, I, I think, you know, again, if the Sixers could go from Al Horford, a guy who doesn't fit with their team at all, to Chris Paul, a guy who, at least in theory, if he's healthy, is everything they didn't have um, this season. You know, I certainly think that, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why it would certainly make sense for them. And, you know, the other part of it from OKC's standpoint, you know, I don't know if I think I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but Buddy Hill was a pretty massive star at the University of Oklahoma. I and for a team that. that's rebuilding, yeah. uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have, you know, him playing next to Shea Gillis Alexander for a while. Okay, so then the Clippers. This one is complicated. So what you're basically saying is you take Nick Batum who has one year and $27 million left on his contract, and you basically trade uh, Montrez Harrell in a sign-and-trade. So Montrez Harrell would have to agree to go to Charlotte, um, which isn't a guarantee, but I could kind of see how Charlotte would have interest there. Um, uh, maybe. That's uh, a big maybe, but it gives, you know, the, the, the big challenge if you're trying to meet Oklahoma City's price is you have to have guys on one-year contracts. Batum is one of the biggest one-year contracts out there. Um, it'd, be, it'd be good salary ballast. Um, 
it's kind of creative. Um, and then you had Lou Williams and Beverly going where, Bontemps? Both to Charlotte. That's a lot of guards for that team that already has guards. But um, I suppose they could be rerouted. Right. Um, you could easily – I mean, Beverly, I think, would be tougher to reroute. Lou Williams, you could reroute in a second if you needed to. Yeah, he has a low salary. Um, this is a heck of an interesting way that you could get – Chris Paul two back to the Clippers, Pelton. I I mean I think the big question here is so what's the minimum salary Montrezl Harrell could sign for and make that work because the Clippers are sending out what about 50, 20 million in other salaries so I guess about yeah a little I more mean, than ten or a little yeah it'd probably be low teens yeah because if I'm Charlotte I who else is paying Montrezl Harrell fifteen million a year for three years. I have interest in him as someone who could upgrade my offense, but not at that price point, I don't think. So yeah, I mean, that that's that's certainly the trickier that's certainly the trickiest part of it. Um because because of the Clippers salary situation, it's very hard to get them to the Charlotte amount of money has to a get bunch Chris. of cap space. Um, Charlotte does have a lot of cap space. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's and I mean, you're Charlotte also trading Charlotte could just sign these dudes, just sign Harold straight up, but it, this would also get Batum off of their books, which I'm sure they'd be. They'd yeah, be, I mean that's that's the thing about it. You'd essentially be turning you'd essentially be turning a guy who has no spot on your roster in Batum into three players who can play, and for a team that you know generally has shown a desire to be competitive or try to be competitive, um, you know I could see that having some appeal. I mean, they've already been a team that's been linked to Harrell in part because they're one of the few teams that actually has a hole at center and, you know, playing him with Devonte Graham would be pretty interesting um, next season. So, you know, I also I mean, could see Lou Williams being good there, but they have, you know, they have Terry Rozier who kind of plays similarly. And they have Graham who has a ball in his hands a lot. I mean, that, that yeah. part of it is trickier, but you kind of just have to send out that money to get, up to the the number to get Chris in the first I mean, place. I mean, so. getting rid of Batum is is an attractive concept. Um, you know, as I as I look at it, I think base year compensation would make this, if not impossible, probably it would make it really hard for sure. Harold would only count if he gets more than a twenty percent raise at half of his new salary, not his full new salary going out from the Clippers as part of that salary they have to come up with. So the only way they could probably do it is if it was one of those like step ladder deals where first you trade all those pieces, or you know, to Charlotte, and then you trade, you know, then uh, Batum and Rodney Magruder to Oklahoma City some period of time later. Yeah, well, you'd have to wait. 60 days for him to be aggregated in a deal. Isn't that correct? Right. No. Which that's a complicated are we, are we one. Have 60 but days in the offseason. Well, you, you might. You might. I mean, it's a complicated one, but this is the kind of stuff that you got to think about if you're in a front office. Uh if you're the Clippers. Now, what about the Clippers getting Chris Paul, Pelton? What do you think? I mean, it, it it's a big there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there, but what about that happening? I mean, uh you know, you, you talk about a guy, you talk about leadership and smart players needed. This is a guy who's the leader and a smart player, maybe he, the he epitome. Is, he is a leader and smart player. He also has been known to be involved in a faction or two in the locker room in his day. And you're clearing out one faction by 
moving pretty much all of the holdover. You're just replacing. You're replacing the entire faction. You're replacing the entire faction with a new one. <laughs> it's a new faction. We'll see how that faction. We we also didn't mention on Philly that it would be reuniting Doc Rivers and and Chris Paul, and it seemed like there were some hard feelings at the end of that yes. particular relationship in LA. No, there's no question. There's, well, I mean, stranger it, it, things stranger things have happened than that. That is I mean, true. That's. Uh, all right, so that's our hard. first Paul discussion. Now let's well, talk about. We didn't talk about Milwaukee. I actually think that's oh, the most sorry. realistic of, I apologize. of these options. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure it is realistic because I'm not sure that there's a great affinity. Well, I'm not going to say I, I I don't want I want to stay out of the aggregation zone. But okay, let's go over it. Go ahead, Pelton. I mean the the issue here is number one they'd add I think about six million seven million in salary. You know they're they're barely cobbling together the minimum uh, salary, and that's pushing them into the luxury tax. You know, the ownership has said they're willing to pay the tax. We haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. We've so seen far. we've seen other owners say they're willing to pay the luxury That's tax and not. So we, lot, without naming more. names. So we will a see. More, a lot more than have actually paid it. Anybody then, can say they're going to pay the tax. <laughs> That's right. It's the paying of the tax. Actually, this year, the Lakers won the championship without paying the tax, which um, I think it's maybe happened three times in 15 years. It's it was, it was and two rare. and two of those times are when Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis changed teams. Well, just inevitably, when you use cap space, you're probably not right. going to be a tax-paying team that year, but you probably right. are the next year. Is right, will likely be the case for the Lakers. Right, but no, to your point, KP, I, I the Bucks trade. You know, if I'm the Bucks, if I can do that trade, I do it. I, I think it's a no-brainer for me. Um, Eric Bledsoe has repeatedly proven he's not capable of being the guy they needed to be in the playoffs. And, you know, Chris, like what were we, as we watched that, that heat series, the biggest problem that team had was they had nobody who could, you know, run their offense late in games and create plays off the dribble. It was just a lot of throw throw the ball to Chris Middleton on the wing, stand there and shoot a jumper. Chris Paul would change all of that. They seize up offensively under pressure. They seize up offensively under pressure in January. They certainly do in the playoffs, and Chris Paul will not seize up. <laughs> um, he hasn't. He doesn't have the most perfect playoff record, and I think a lot of it has to do with both his size and health. But he will. He will get you moving. That's for sure. Um, it is an interesting trade. I. I, I wonder if it's. I'm. I'm just, I'm just not going to say anything. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Victor Oladipo next up. Now, Oladipo um, has made it clear, or he's tried to present the case that he does not want to be traded. 
Um, it was a strange year between Oladipo and the the Pacers. Um, he did his he did his rehab from his terrible leg injury away from the team. The team has gone to lengths to say that was no problem. He came back and announced that he wasn't playing in the bubble um, via a media report before he had told the team that. And then when he found out that he was going to cost him maybe six or seven million bucks, he reversed his decision. Now they had some story to explain why that wasn't a reversal and whatever. Um, he is eligible for a contract extension. Um, they did discuss an extension in the summer of 2019 and he did not accept it. I don't know what he was offered. Um, who knows how serious those talks were. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you're not going to extend him, which considering the Pacers are over $120 million on payroll already for next year, um, if you're not going to extend him, I think you should look into trading him. So Tim, what are the uh, options that you've cooked up in uh, looking at this and talking to people around the league? So I actually think Oladipo is very, I shouldn't say very unlikely. I think it's unlikely Oladipo gets traded because of how, like you mentioned, how weird his past year has been, um, both coming back from the injury and then frankly not being very good after coming back from the injury. I, I don't, from talking to people around the league, I don't think his value is nearly as high as kind of his name brand would suggest at the moment. And I think it's more likely that the Pacers go into the season and either hope he plays really well and they do great and he decides to stay or that he plays better and then they maybe trade him later um, when his value goes up some. But that being said, I think the, the most likely trade on the board would be that he goes to Brooklyn for say Karis LeVert and one of the young guys, either Dazen Musa or Nick Claxton or one of those guys, deal basically matches up money-wise. The Pacers get a younger guy under team control for a while who's cheaper, um, even though he's not a lot younger. Um, or also a lot has injury, All his injury history, as Oladipo does. Also has injury history. Shared but, uh, risk there. But the Nets are clearly going to be aggressive going into this offseason to try to add talent around KD and Kyrie. And I think, you know, taking a run at Oladipo, to me, makes a lot of sense for them. One of the things that Oladipo wasn't, didn't love in Oklahoma City was not being the primary option. And he flourished when he went to Indiana and became the primary option. I wonder, you know, he'd be third, third in line there. Um, I don't know, maybe that's where he needs to be at this point in his career. Uh, Pelton, what do you think about that? Um, scenario. I mean, I think the main thing with Brooklyn is if I'm them, I'm saving, you know, what I have to offer for a couple of the other guys we're going to discuss in this group, because okay. to me, Oladipo is a clear third there. I, I do have a couple of thoughts on possible destinations for Oladipo though. Go on. Go ahead, KP. I got a few, but hit me. Yeah. I, I don't know if these are on your list, but I, I feel like he's a really interesting option for these teams that are saving 2021 cap space if they lose their players in free agency, because you're not committed to him long-term, but he can help you remain competitive next season and remain attractive to those free agents. And then if he plays great, hey, terrific, we'll just re-sign him anyway, assuming that, you know, you, and maybe Giannis stays put or something like that. So Miami is the first of those teams. If Goran Dragic goes elsewhere for a big long-term offer that they don't want to match because they don't want to extend salary beyond 2021, then 
you know, I think Oladipo could come in there and play a role kind of similar to Kendrick Nunn that did this year, but, you know, potentially be a better version of that. There's long. Well, what's the trade? I mean, they, well, again, they could use cap space similar to what we were talking about with the Knicks or, or the, the Pistons with Fred Van Fleet. So, you know, if they let Jay Crowder go and, and took his cap hold off the books, you know, they could come pretty close to just taking, uh, to making an Oladipo for Kendrick Nunn type deal. I yeah, I, goes for that. I don't think Kendrick Nunn is enough of a enticement for them to make that trade. Though I, I'm, though I think your logic is sound on that. Obviously, I know oh, uh, Oladipo has been connected. Yeah, Oladipo has been connected to Miami for months now. Um, I think Miami has their like, like you just mentioned with Brooklyn. My feel is that Miami has their eye on bigger fish, but because it's a one-year deal, I, I mean, I guess it does open the door, but. I'm not sure I, the interest from Miami is as strong as the interest from Oladipo. Well, and I and actually KP, I think that I think that Kendrick Nunn is maybe closer to what people would perceive giving up for Oladipo uh, as value as like being decent value than uh, people would realize too, which is part of why I think it's more likely than not he doesn't get traded. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm not sure I would give Karis Levert right now for him to be honest right. with you. I, I kind of like Karis Levert. Well, and that's and that's why some of the other trades I came up with are kind of similar. Like, all right, so go over those. Well, like the two two that are interesting with like, uh, kind of you know mid pack teams that are trying to be competitive this year and still you know has the flexibility. One was Denver, uh, Gary Harris, which is basically the same amount of money and a first round pick for Oladipo, um, to get them a replacement starter and a first round pick to try to add, um which isn't great value either. Um, and then the Mavericks. Well, Gary Harris's uh, value has taken a hit. It's kind of like all the depots. Yes. So. Uh, and then the Mavericks uh, could either do Tim Hardaway or, you know, what's maybe a little more interesting for them trying to be good next year, assuming Hardaway opts in, is trading DeLon Wright, Boban, and Justin Jackson, which gets them to the money they need to make the trade. And then putting in their first and the Gold State second that they have this year, which is the first pick of the second round. Now that's an interesting trade. And that if you get if you could get Oladipo there, um, you know, again, it's a one year deal. Like KP said, it doesn't cost them the ability to chase Giannis next summer, which is obviously a guy they're interested in, or one of these other stars. If Oladipo doesn't play well, um, and you know him playing next to Luka Doncic as a creator, you know, secondary creator on the wing. Um, It'd be interesting. It would bump think, down some of yeah, the other I, guys in the checking order. It's it's an interesting idea, at least. I think that I think that deal makes more sense for Indiana if they do. You know, they have Sabonis um, and Miles Turner there making kind of big money, especially if they were to do something with one of those guys elsewhere. Um, would even potentially make even more sense. Um, that's a creative thinking trade, Pelton. I, I do like that. I think. You know, I, I'm not sure I would make it as Dallas just because I, I'm not convinced that Oladipo in that role where he is primarily playing off the ball next to Doncic, even though you want another creator next to him, is going to be enough of an upgrade over Tim Hardaway for that to make sense. But it's it's certainly something you'd have to consider. Well, and that's why that's why I, I, I kind of switched it to those role players instead, because if you can still have Hardaway there, right. um, you know, then you still have his shooting. And look, I, I'm I have a lot of reservations about Oladipo at this point, but 
you know, if you're Dallas and you can, like you said, like, it's kind of like the Miami thing. If you could take a swing on a, a potentially high level player without it costing you a chance to really get into free agency next summer, you know, I think there's some, I think there's some value in that for them. Uh, Didn't you have a, sure. a Lakers option for, uh, I did. I, I, I do have a Lakers option, so I forgot, I actually forgot to include it, but we had talked about it before. Now, when we talked about, uh, the Chris Paul trade and, and them not having enough money. Well, Vic is only making $21 million next year. So it's much easier to get to that number for, uh, for the Lakers. You could half, do half, right. So you could do Danny green, Kyle Kuzma and a first, and that's too you much. Could, you could get to the number you need to get Oladipo too much. Too much. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I want to give up green and Kuzma. I mean, I, I wouldn't have much concern about that. I, well, I, I mean, if, if, if you think Victor Oladipo has a chance to be bounced back to somewhere, anywhere close to where he was before his injury, I, I think you do that trade in a millisecond. I mean, well, you can, might ask you can, Danny Green's value isn't that high right now either. Well, right. Danny Green yeah. is, you know, 35. And, uh, is he um, really? Or, I mean, might not be quite that old. He's 33. I think he's going to be 34 next season. Uh, Kuzma's fine, but he's, you know, nothing special and you're trading a late first round pick. I mean, you're not trading a lottery pick. So, I mean, uh, again, if, uh, I think if the Lakers, if you're the Lakers and you could get Victor Oladipo, by the way, the Lakers can't parts, trade their first round pick until after it's made. I mean, you, you could be drafted for somebody else on draft night, but sure. they can't actually trade. That, the that could be a draft night trade though. But you, yeah. but if, if you could get Victor Oladipo for spare parts, if you have any faith that he could be a really good player again, you do that and don't think about it. Well, and opinion. also it's again, it's a one-year commitment. You're not going to extend him. And in, 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 I think it upgrades the Lakers um, on the perimeter. Um, and it, uh, it doesn't hurt your 2020. It doesn't hurt your flexibility. Um, you can resign. What does KP think of that? I mean, you're taking a risk if Oladipo walks, plays well, and then somehow walks. I mean, I don't, I don't know why he would walk if he was playing well in the Lakers, but with the Lakers, but that's a bit of a risk. I, I think that's intriguing, though, because, you know, Oladipo would match up well time-wise with AD. You know, if you project out to a, as impossible as it may seem to think about right now, post-LeBron future, then, you know, you've got another piece in place potentially. Yeah, I when you when you brought that up to me last week, my eyebrows shot up because uh, I hadn't thought about that. But that's something that I mean, that would be a definite upgrade. I mean, even if you have to include Kuzma and Green, it's an upgrade. I mean, you know, assuming that he's anywhere near the guy that he was. I mean, even if he's not that that two way star, even if he's anywhere near that, it's uh, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade from Danny Green. My gosh, um, they should be able to add another sort of wing role player or you know combo forward. Um, through free agency, I would think, uh, to sort of replace Kuzma. Sure. I, I mean, look, they could sign, I mean, people will probably laugh, but they could sign Carmelo Anthony. And if Carmelo is anywhere close to what he was in Portland, he's going to replace a lot of what Kuzma did for them. Let me ask you this. Where's Danilo Gallinari going to play? It's a great question. If, if the Lakers offered Danilo Gallinari a one year, $10 million mid-level exception deal, is he saying no to that? If he doesn't have a better option? I I suspect they'll be able to get him a better deal. I suspect. Trade. I suspect. I mean, look, you right could. Here, I mean, right. maybe you could do Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma for Gallinari in a sign and trade. You know, I could see that too. I'm not sure I want to commit to Gallinari for three years, but I, 
I think that's an un, that's a guy who could make a difference on a team that no one's talking about, and I don't think that people are going to be willing to spend. Somebody, somebody could. I mean, I'm sure his agent has plenty of ideas cooked up, but somebody might be able to get Gallinari cheap for a year. Um, all right. So our next guy that we we're going to talk about is Drew Holiday from the Pelicans. Now, I'm not 100% convinced that the Pelicans are going to move him. I think it's an option for them. I think it also depends on the coach that they hire and the way that coach wants to play. Um, but they did kick it around. I see one year from free agency. He's got an option after the season. Okay, so you should be worried about him opting out. Um, so I th- think it's it's on the board. So Bontemps, I think this guy could be very valuable if he ever came to market. And there's two teams right off the bat that that come to mind, and I'm sure you're going to go over them right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'm going to go over the first one, uh, which I know uh, is what KP was referring to earlier, which is the Nets and. Uh, the Pelicans are an interesting spot because they have two veterans in Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick, both of whom are on essentially expiring contracts. Holiday can't have an option, but unless he gets hurt, he's almost certainly going to opt out next summer. Um, if he plays anywhere like he did this year. And Redick, you know, again, is an older guy on a team that's probably not a playoff team next year in the West. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense for them to try to get what they can for both of them and build around this young core of, you know, Brandon Reddick's, Ingram. Reddick's one year. About 13. 13 million. I mean, that's about a 13. very attractive contract to move. So the deal I came up with with the Nets was to send both of them to Brooklyn for Levert and Torian Prince and one of the young guys, uh, again, Claxton or Musa or one of them, and I'd Philly's 2020. I'd want Jared 2020 Allen. first. Well, I don't think they're – I don't know if they necessarily can get Jared Allen in that deal, but – uh, I would say Karis LeVert, Prince, one of the non-Jared Allen young guys, and Philly's 2020 first-round pick. I, f- I feel like if you're getting both of those guys, then it's hard to take Jared Allen off the table in that situation. If it's just one of those, it's more more reasonable. I agree. You know, the, other, the, the, more, the more simple version is Holiday for LeVert, Prince, and a first, I think, also. Or, you know, I think that's a... I think that's a probably a simpler deal than trying to get Reddick involved also. Yeah, I mean that 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 certainly is something that's been out there and I, I think it's been reported that that they if it hasn't been reported, I don't I, I found out somewhere, I don't think it was from an executive, maybe it was, but um that there was some discussion between the Nets and Pelicans in February. And Levert's trade value is probably higher than it is now. it was in February because he played yes. so well in the the bubble games. And conversely, New Orleans now seems farther away from contending because they weren't able to take advantage of that opportunity to get into the play-in game, get into the playoffs. So I I think if I'm Brooklyn, Holiday is my number one target, even though the other guy we haven't discussed is probably a better player in a vacuum. If you're a team that already has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, uh, having a guy what he does be, is so valuable right having a guy who can be a star without having the ball in his hands is what you massive need, and that's what drew can do and he's also one of the best locker room guys in the league too which is not an understated thing definitely either. he was voted uh, team of the year this year twyman yep. stokes team of the year award all right yep. who's the other team i i know that there are their fans are stomping for this 
I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you're talking about Denver. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is the other one that stands out. So um, again, the Nuggets, you know, we talked about Gary Harris. He's been popularly brought up, as you mentioned, by Nuggets fans. And frankly, a lot of people is kind of the team, the guy, when you look at their team, here's a guy you could put in a trade and upgrade. So, um, you know, looking at them, the deal I came up with was Harris and Bull Bull and Houston's first round pick this year, which Denver has via the uh, four team trade that sent Capella to Atlanta and Covington to Houston back in February. And also a Denver future first. To me, the Brooklyn pick is more trade is more attractive than that because Harris is probably a negative contract at this stage with you know the injuries Correct. and the poor performance he's had. So you know, I, I I'd definitely be much more excited about getting the Levert pack if I were Brooklyn. So the, yeah. the question is then: Is there a way Denver can become more attractive than the Brooklyn pack? Well, without no. Well, that was why I had I, I the the year I put in was a 2025 first. I did I, I basically said. Uh, I'll just give you whatever unprotected future first you want, however far down the road you want it, and see if that sweetens it. But I, I'm with you. I think that the Nets trade is better. In the other thing is, in talking to teams around the league, the Nuggets have made it clear uh, Michael Porter Jr. is not available. Do and not if Michael act. Porter Jr. isn't available, it's going to be very hard for them to make the kind of upgrade that they want. Because to KP's I mean, point, Gary Harris is not a positive value contract. You right could now. do a Jeremy Grant sign-in trade. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean, they want to keep Jeremy Grant. And I think they I don't. To. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that makes a lot of sense either way. Really, I mean, obviously, Drew Holiday's better than Jeremy Grant, but I, I don't. I don't see that being something that really excites New Orleans. I mean, the other thing personally. we should say here is the difference between Denver and Brooklyn is like Brooklyn stars are in their thirties. Their window is absolutely right now. Denver's window accelerated with the run that they had in the playoffs, but you know, there's Jamal Murray still has years of development to go. Michael Porter. You know, if you feel confident that he's going to be able to stay healthy, has years of development. So that's a team that I don't feel like has as much urgency to make a move right now because the cake is still baking. Anywhere else you think Holiday would make sense? Uh, I almost called McMahon again. You did, you did it again. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think again, uh, you could you could make a sim, you could try to make a similar deal with Dallas, um, with Tim Hardaway Jr. involved this time. I think, you know, because again, it's the same thing where you're you're almost certainly not going to cost yourself uh, 2021 cap space um, by trading for him because he's probably going to opt out next summer. Even if he doesn't and, and, and Giannis says he wants to come there. You yeah, can, you can you could create you, the space. Figure it out. But I think I think that Brooklyn, Brooklyn makes the most sense. And I think to kind of both of your points, like. At the end of the day, if you come down to it and Jared like Jared Allen becomes a sticking point in that kind of a deal, it's hard for me to see the Nets with the situation they're in not pushing their chips in and and getting Holiday on their team because he is such a perfect fit with these guys. Um, that I, I think if he is traded, and I personally think he will be traded because I, I think if you're the if you're the Pelicans, I think you have to look at your team and realize that the best chance they have to me is maybe squeaking into the playoffs as an eight seed next year. I think it's far less likely that that happens than it happens. And if I, if I'm building a team around, you know, a 22 year old guy and Brandon Ingram and a 20 year old guy in Zion Williamson, even if Zion's time horizons may be a little bit shorter than you would like because of the injury history. Um, I'm not relying, you know, I'm getting young guys back for Drew holiday and, 
kind of consolidating this year around those guys to be able to contend in a couple of years rather than trying to push for an eight seed this year. What about Monty? What about including Monty Morris in a, in a Denver deal? I don't think Monty Morris, I think Monty Morris is the best backup point guard in the league or one of them. You and I disagree with that. I I think my, I think teams out there see Monty Morris as a starter going forward. I don't think they see him as an all-star, but I think a lot of people like him. I mean, I think people, I think people like him. He's, he's awfully small to be a starter. Um, I think he's really good, but I, I think he's, he's ideally he's the best backup point guard in the league or one of them. And I, I you have to pay him probably eight figure, low eight figures in a year. I, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a immensely valuable piece. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, our last guy we're going to talk about is Bradley Beal. Now, this is the guy that a lot of people in the league get excited about because we're talking about a big-time player. Uh, he got knocked this year because his team was bad. Um, he didn't make All-NBA. He didn't make the All-Star team. He was on both of my <laughs> – he was on my All-Star and my NBA All-NBA team. I really like Bradley Beal. Uh, the Wizards have extended him. He's got um, – a year what's his contract situation he he can opt out after a year he's got he's got two years left before he could be a free agent which conveniently okay. would line him up to be the 10-year max super okay, that's ma- right. two, uh, 35 percent so when he signed that extension it was kind of a taking the pressure off the organization they didn't have to 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 to, to do something big with him um and i don't think that they're they're interested in moving him what would be interesting is if bradley beal said i want to be moved um that would be the thing. And I'm not sure that that's something that would happen before next season, but I do think that teams are out there watching for that in the event that the, that the wizards don't improve quickly. And this is a player that a lot of teams would want. So uh, bond temps in the event that this would happen, what are the teams that you see waiting to make, waiting to make big offers? So there's not a lot of teams that can trade for Beal because you have to have a lot to trade to get a guy like this. Yeah. Cause he's um, got years on his contract. This is not, even if you were under duress, even if Beal said, I want to get moved, they, Washington would have, a, you know, a bit of a hammer. That's right. So I think the, the, if, if he just became available, I think the best trade Washington could make would be to trade him for Ben Simmons, which, you know, to KP's point before, you know, uh, again, this is total fantasy GM land as Bobby said the other day, but, if you trade, if you make a Chris Paul trade, obviously then if you try to turn Ben Simmons into something, you're, you're not going to do better than Beal. 
And I think that for a variety of reasons is a very interesting trade for both sides. That would be an interesting trade, Kevin Belton. It, it's certainly interesting. Yeah, I for Washington, you know, it's kind of you. You probably have to figure out what you're going to do with John Wall at that point because you're bringing in uh, a guy who, you know, as we talked about with the Chris Paul possibility, you're going to want to have the ball in his hands a lot and playing and putting him next to John Wall. And even though you know Wall probably isn't going to be the player he was when we last saw him on court, he's still due forty plus million. <laughs> for three seasons. So you kind of got to figure that out what you're doing there. But uh, yeah, in terms of getting usually instead of being at where you're trading a dollar for maybe five quarters, if you look at the draft picks have <laughs> been going out for some of these yeah. deals, instead you're trying to trade that dollar for another dollar. At least, but like, I think it's interesting right? that you bring up the, from the start, because that kind of sets, you know, because I think if you're a fan out there, you're like, Oh, cause I'm like, I'm sure Lakers fans are like, Let's trade for Bradley Beal. And I'm like, okay, are you trading Anthony Davis? You know, what are you trading for him? Um, you don't have it. Bradley Beal's a top 15 player in the league. Right. So okay. it's, you have to give up value to get to get a player like that. Okay, so a, a, a team that could enter this sweepstakes, should it become available, and it would make more sense if it comes available soon rather than later, would be the Golden State Warriors. That is correct. Bontemps, so, your Golden State Warriors offer for Bradley Beal could be I mean the the trade the trade there is pretty simple um Andrew Wiggins is involved from a salary standpoint um and then it would be the number two pick in this year's draft the Warriors pick the Timberwolves pick next year which is a I believe top three protected pick next year and then unprotected after that um KP probably knows if I'm wrong about that I thought it was top two protected it's either way. It's it's very minimally protected next year, and then fully unprotected in twenty two if it doesn't convey. It is top three, yeah. And then uh, and then Minnesota. I also included Minnesota's second round pick next year, which I also anticipate to be a very good selection. Also, Pelton. So basically, that's a draft pick trade. That's a, that's a rebuild trade. Other than the fact that uh, I like to point out, Andrew Wiggins is owed three years and ninety four million. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the Wizards, I'd maybe counter and say, well, make a dream on green instead because we can make that work cap-wise. Yep. And I might might rather have, even though I don't know what Draymond Green's motivation would be playing for the Washington Wizards with John Wall. It would uh, not be great, I think. That would not be that would not be a great situation, I don't think, it's in a, Chocolate it's, City. It's a more retradable <laughs> contract at the very least than Wiggins. So that'd be my first ask. But I, I will say, and Tim and I disagreed pretty vehemently on this at the trade deadline i have come around to i would rather if i'm the timberwolves be trying to trade andrew wiggins and minnesota's 2021 pick than d'angelo russell i think that's a, a much more attractive proposition for other teams now okay okay so, so you go to my position kp i'm i'm all but conceding the bet we made <laughs> on where minnesota's going to finish in next year's draft. well that's the thing though i will just say that you know basically what you are doing here this is this the By trade the way, KP, that the by the way, let me stop for just one second. KP and I had a dinner bet about Minnesota next year, and I'm now feeling even better about yeah, winning not, this bet. You're not going to a restaurant until 2025. <laughs> um, well, hey, I'll be able you to may not see to you may not see this for a long time. You may not even see Kevin Pelt until 2022. Um, <laughs> this is one of these things where basically, uh, and this is what the Warriors did, the Warriors shorted the Timberwolves' future. They basically said, uh, we'll take this stinky ass contract uh, because we think that you're going to stink. Well, and this even uh, goes back, Brian, to the to the Kevin Durant move in the first place, right? 
Like I didn't like the initial move doing the sign of trade for D'Angelo Russell because I didn't like the value in giving D'Angelo Russell a max contract. And to KP's point, I would if if I'm the Warriors, if the if the trade offer they had right now is D'Angelo Russell and their pick, I don't think that's getting it done. And I, I'm not positive this gets it done, but I feel a lot better about offering two potential high lottery picks um, with wow. Wiggins than one pick with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, as somebody who was on the front line when the Cavs traded Kyrie Irving for the Nets pick, the Nets pick, the Nets pick, the Nets pick, they're going to be terrible. The Nets pick ended up not being that great. And so, you know, and and they didn't have to take back a a $94 million contract. For me, if you're Golden State and you call and, and make that offer to me, I go, okay, that's, I go, those draft picks are a good offer for Bradley Beal. Now what are you going to give me to incentivize me to take Wiggins' contract? Why don't you put Eric Pascal in the deal, and then we can start talking about it. Um, but yeah, and maybe, um, and there might be something, and there, and there, I could see, I could see discussions like that happening on the margins too. I just um, think Wiggins' contract is three years, ninety-four million. I mean, I know he does score. I mean, I guess you, you know, you would have somebody to put the ball into the basket for you in in Washington, but. Um, it's so much money. It's so much money, especially you owe so much to John Wall. It really doesn't enable you to have a rebuild. But I will say, you're not getting a better draft pick offer, I don't think. Right. And he's, I mean, and also, like, I'm certainly not a defender of Andrew Wiggins. This also isn't the Nick Batum deal. Like, he's he's a 25 year old guy who scores 20 a game. Like, that's, that's true. At, you, at least somebody you can, is at least somebody you can play if you're the, um, if you're the the Wizards the next few years and and have on your team and you know who knows maybe he puts up numbers here and you can flip him in a year for something else I mean you know I'm not saying it's it's certainly I'm not certainly expecting him to like blossom into something at 25 but um you know it's not like you know I like the Luol Deng contract that the Lakers had or something where it's some guy who's just you're just never going to play him at all. I would also assume that the Nets would be making the same side of offer that they would make to the for the other players. Yeah, um, I had them. I had them trading Levert and Dinwiddie, and then two firsts. Their first this year and a future Brooklyn first for Beal. Um, which, but again, if I'm them, as great as I think Beal's a better player than Drew Holiday, but I actually think that Holiday is a better fit for the Nets than than Beal is, given the other two guys on their roster, which I think KP agrees with. Also, I right. mean, I think I think they would get a call from just about every team in the league. I think the uh, I think the Knicks would call. And um, and basically offer just about anything that they could give. Um, yeah, I just don't think that's very much. I'd, I'd like to short the Knicks' future if I'm getting a bunch of draft picks. <laughs> I mean, one, one thing I wonder about: we talked about Milwaukee with Chris Paul. You know, Beal isn't as clean a positional fit, but you wouldn't maybe necessarily. You know, if you've got George Hill and Beal in the backcourt, you've got plenty of ball handling. Well, if the if like- the Bucks got George, if the Bucks got Bradley Beal. What are you giving up to get Beal, though? I mean, you're you're having to offer the Kawhi is going to sign with the Lakers if we don't send this to Oklahoma City for Paul George deal. It's like all the draft picks you can and some swaps on top of it. So, but but so you're so, you, so you're keeping so you'd be Middleton. You'd be so you're keeping the Middleton. So you're keeping Middleton, and you're just trading every draft pick you can from here to Kingdom Come, and just trying to load up to win this year. Yeah, and probably Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I mean that's that's an that's certainly. So you're talking like two firsts and two swaps, two two unprotected firsts as far as you can go, and two swaps 
DiVincenzo and like you, I mean, you'd have to include something else to make the deal work. You'd have to include like blood soap, Ursan yeah. Ilyasova or yeah, something. And, and, and Ilyasova is non guaranteed, something like that. I'm yeah, not sure. I, I'm not sure that that's not getting outbid pretty quickly. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what, how confident the Wizards are in Giannis resigning. I was going to say, is gonna leave, then I, I was going to say the, the, the intriguing part about that, like, look, the Clippers are in LA. Right. So they're probably they can at least have confidence. They're always going to be able to sign guys. You're not signing guys in Milwaukee. So if they if the if the let's say that the uh, let's say that the the Bucks say or the, the Wizards say we want unprotected first in 2023 and 2025 and we want swaps in 2024 and 2026. Like, yeah, those if Bradley Beal and uh, Giannis stay there, maybe those are all the 25th pick in the draft. If they leave i mean those could be really good picks i mean that's that's a that's a very interesting idea I, if i was watching i would think long and hard about that because you're if you have control of a small market team's future drafts that's that's a potentially very interesting thing well i thought denver would be would go whole hog on this but like I can't tell you how much I was told this week that they are not trading Michael Porter. But I, if I were Denver, I would, I would trade Michael Porter to, as a centerpiece to get. Well, to for get the listener, it's Brian. Brian and I have talked about this, and and the idea of you know the idea that that we bandied around was Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and Monty Morris, and that trade, I would say, came in a pretty distant third. Uh, of the of these three packages that we've talked about, and it, de- you know, it depends on how you feel about Michael Porter. I mean, again, it's moot because I don't. I think they're. I think he's untouchable. But if you if you believe Michael Porter is is a future, you know, All NBA player, which some people do, not everybody. That's a polarizing discussion. But you know, if you're Denver, you 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 know, I know that KP talked about them having um, more years, but you know, do you want to try to go for the title or not? You know, um, I mean, think about that dude on that roster. Just think what is your take it. on that trade, KP? I mean, I it's really interesting bet on the medicals because I think Porter can be is good offensively for the Nuggets because of the fact that he plays a more complementary role to Jamal Murray and, and Jokic. You know, he's probably more of a spot up guy than Beal is. I think he can probably be almost as good offensively as Beal is. And Beal is really good offensively. So that's that's saying something. But you're taking a gamble that he stays healthy. If you're the Wizards and you make that trade, you're taking a gamble. So either way, there's a risk being taken on, on Porter. I, I think the other thing we probably should talk about is timing. We've been treating this as an off-season discussion, but some of these guys, inevitably, it's not going to play out until the trade deadline. And then right, and that's that why Golden State's, Golden State's offer is, you know, they'd want to get it taken before the draft. Golden State yeah. would be much better off if Bradley Beal says in the next month, I don't want to play in Washington anymore. Because I think I think over the next month, I think they have the best offer. I think once you get into the season and they've already driven the new car off the lot with that second pick. Unless they take J- unless they like take James Wiseman and he's averaging like 14. Well, sure. But, it, but then, then do you want to trade him? Well, I, I think they would. I certainly think they would trade him. But the, the hard part is, if, if you give somebody the second pick, you have the ability to pick who you want, right? If you're doing this trade, let's say the trade deadline's in April, just to throw out a month. Uh, if it's April 1st and the trade deadline's April 7th and you have this guy you drafted six months ago and he's been okay, 
Um, I think it's harder to get people necessarily excited about that than if it's, hey, on draft night, we're going to have the second pick and the ninth pick for Washington. Yeah, that, that that always happens. That's that's classic for, you know, it's the unknown is always more valuable than the known. That's right. Um, all right. Well, this has been an interesting discussion. Um, how many of these four guys actually get moved? None. <laughs> no, I think Chris Paul's getting moved. Um, I, think, right. I think Holiday and Paul, well, there's a good chance they both get traded. Right. Yeah, I think you could let it set the line at one and a half, and that would be a reasonable line. I mean, one yeah, might right. be safer, but... All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Kevin, to Tim, and everybody have a great week. Whichever Tim it actually is. Thank you.